0: Welcome to the Compliance Expert Radio Show, your source for the latest information on corporate governance, internal audit, stocks, and risk management services, with in-depth interviews, discussions, and insights from leading experts, hosted by Sonia Luna, CEO and founder of Aviva Spectrum. This is the Compliance Expert Radio Show, and now, here is your host, Sonia Luna,
1: Hi, I'm Sonia Luna, CEO of Aviva Spectrum, a financial transformation and compliance consulting firm headquartered in sunny Los Angeles, California. I'm also a speaker and writer on topics like financial close transformation, COSO ERM, internal audit, and accounting-related topics. My guest today is Gail Edwards. She's the Managing Director of Professional Accounting Solutions. Gail has over 25 years of experience in hotel operations, starting as a night auditor and advancing to the VP of finance level. Her impressive track record and wealth of operational insight allows her to identify bottlenecks in many of the accounting functions and how to automate those pain points. Gail has been able to successfully automate the financial close process in many of the hospitality brands and financial institutions that most of us can recognize today. Ms. Edwards has also earned her B.A. from Penn State. Welcome,
0: Gail. Thanks for having me on the show.
1: Well, Gail, I'm really, truly excited about this interview because I know our listeners are going to take away important tips on how to automate the financial close with greater efficiency and transparency. And Gail, you've seen it, okay? Having seen a pre- and post-financial transformation process with several large and mid-sized companies can you share with our listeners what are the drivers that cause an implementation process to be longer
0: than it should be? Really, I think that the key here is is having 360 degree viewpoints in regards to this, right? When we go through um, implementations, oftentimes we discover, and CFOs discover, that what they think is happening is usually not exactly what's really, really happening. And so, you run into roadblocks as you kind of say, oh, is that really how you do this? And and how can we overcome that? So it's really important to have, you know, team members on your on your transformation, your implementation team who uh, come from all 360-degree viewpoints, right? They touch it from the very beginning, the end user, all the way up through final analysis and, and the CFO level. Um, and it's really, really important that you test everything that you put into play, right? So, and the testers need to be, all the way up the process line as well. Um, Because you have to, you put a good plan in place, but you have to be prepared to be flexible with that as you run into things and say, that's not exactly how this works. How how can we make it work better? How can we be more efficient and, and, you know, ultimately how can we then get everyone to buy into this change? Um, And and that really is kind of one of the keys, right? Right,
1: so it's it's getting that 360, getting people involved, Um, you know, trust but verify, right? And it's saying, you know, really get down to, does this really occur this way, right? Um, Right. But in terms of recommendations to a CFO, I mean, what would you recommend a CFO to monitor? So let's say they do some of these items that we're talking about, uh, but what should they really monitor so they don't fall into this, this implementation is taking longer than it should?
0: I think it's really a testing process, you know, test along each step of the way and and the CFO should be aware of at what point are things being tested and what are the results of that uh, and have a good hearing session to say, listen, this is what we've run into. We need to make a decision. If we do this, how does this affect everything else? We don't want to create additional stumbling blocks down the line. So we're going to say from this point forward, this report is going to be generated on, you know, Tuesday at 10 a.m. Well, that may not work for, you know, Treasury who might need that information on Monday. And, And how does that prevent you know additional efficiencies from occurring. So it's really important to to test, thoroughly test the processes that you're going through. And that's why you need everyone's participation, right? Everyone has to be involved in it and they have to have an opportunity to have their voice heard so that they're not resistant then to the changes that come into play as well. They had an opportunity to speak, everyone's talked through it and now we've said yes, this is going to be the best for every, every discipline here's how it's going to work, and then you'll be able to get a higher adoption rate as, as you go through the process.
1: Great. So not only, you know, evaluating those milestones, but when you get to that testing phase, really monitor the outcomes of those tests and make sure, you know, it's producing the results that we want, you know, the company wanted to achieve.
0: Now, Exactly. CFOs,
1: yeah, I wanted to get into some numbers because CFOs are, they're number people, and when CFOs calculate the return on investment, you know, during a financial transformation process, what, what are you seeing? What are the major considerations they seem to focus their attention on?
0: You know, when people are talking about ROI, the number one topic that always comes up is the FTE count, right? Do, did I gain employees? Did I lose employees? Was I able to reduce my workforce? Um, Could I prevent myself from, you know, having additional hires? I mean, they look at other things, too, right? Did I save postage costs, perhaps storage costs, things of that nature? But the thing that they tend to overlook the most is the quality of the FTE that they're looking at, right? So am I getting what I paid for? I hired an accountant. Do I need an accountant to do this task? Is my accountant doing clerical work or are they doing true accounting at this point are they looking at analysis i don't need an accountant to sit down and say did last night's deposit hit the bank right the clerk can do that or in the case of some of the products we implement the matching tools can do that right it can go through and automatically say yeah this is here this is here this is missing i don't need an accountant to do that i need an accountant to find out why that deposits the long amount of money or why it's, there's a deposit that's been missing for several days, or why my credit card fee percentage is suddenly growing month over month, right? It was one and a half percent, two percent, two and a quarter percent. What's going on? That that's what I, my team needs to be doing, and that's where the true ROI comes in. Am I spending money on clerical tools, or am I spending money on true analysis? So it seems like
1: what they should be paying more attention to when measuring the ROI is not so much the the quantity of headcount, but looking at the quality of what they're, you know, the staff members and what they're working on in terms of value-add, like you mentioned, trending analysis, uh, looking at variances, um, you know, revisiting, let's say, uh, revisiting that relationship with the sales department and figuring out some operational efficiencies to get data to them, uh, to, to make them uh, run, uh, let's say, new product lines, et cetera, to get the, the company growing. Um, not so much this matching and making sure data A went to data B, <laughs> you said. Exactly. So really looking at what are you paying for for that role, and is that really the optimum use of that role since you have that role there? Um, and I wanted to move on to some warning signs, okay? What are, what are some warning signs CFOs really need to start paying attention to that tell them they they really – Need to start their financial transformation journey today.
0: I think probably one of the the biggest things is you know how long are you waiting for information? Are you spinning your wheels on day one, day two of your close, even just waiting for preliminary numbers? Um, you know, do you discover that there's maybe owners and or investors who have information before you do? <laughs> uh, th- these are not good things, right? Uh, so I think it's really that's a a key thing to take a look at is how quickly are you able to get your hands on the information that you need to steer the ship? If you are spending the first four or five days of every month worrying about what happened last month, you've probably already hit an iceberg this month, right? So you Mm -hmm. need to be able to be forward thinking. And and if you're spending too much of your time concentrating on what's already occurred, you know, we need to learn from what's occurred certainly, but we shouldn't be spending all of our time worrying about, you know, getting together the data of what's already occurred. You want to know that as soon as possible.
1: You know what we're seeing also in the marketplace, just to kind of um, you know elaborate that this they should have started it yesterday, is when we yeah. talk to CFOs and we ask them the basic question: Well, how long does it normally take you to close the books? And, and we know we generally have a pulse of what the industry, let's say, if their their peers are doing, and right? if they start saying, "Well, it takes twenty days," that's a big red pla- red flag for us, anyways, in, in terms of. It it really shouldn't take 20 days. I mean, we're looking at major companies like, you know, eBay, Coca-Cola that do it much, much less than 20 days. Um, Right. And they're using tools to get there, right? And so this looking, you know, I just need to get the past data that's already past transaction in my system and make sure it's accurate. 20 days is too long. Um, You know, a week or less is probably a very good goal. And when we yep. say that, it you know, it depends on, uh, on the audience we're talking to. But you know, their <laughs> eyes light up like, "Really? That's actually happening?" Well, your peer group is doing it. You know, we we right. we know there's case studies out there that they are doing it. Um, and the other is, you know, uh, another key warning sign we're starting to see in the in the marketplace is last minute audit adjustments is a big red flag yes. that you should yes. have started the financial journey. The auditors come in, they start scrutinizing some of the numbers or account recs, something bal- you know, certain balances, et cetera. Some CFOs are like, oh, well, those must be you know, brand, new, brand new accounting treatments. And because of this brand new accounting treatment, we couldn't record it correctly. I'm like, no. No. It's actually a deeper issue because if you had more time and stopped you know, reviewing just basic recs, you would have had plenty of time to have discussions with um, your staff on the proper accounting treatment, and you, would, you could have completely avoided these last-minute audit adjustments. There's really um, very rare situations where last-minute audit adjustments should be acceptable, but really by and large when I talk to audit committee members, they don't. They don't like last-minute surprises. That it took on the eleventh hour to figure out what that wreck should have been—the debits and credits. It actually pisses them off. It makes them worried that the CFO doesn't have control over what's going on on the on the nuts and bolts. Um, and it's a, a clear indicator that a financial transformation journey should actually be started yesterday, and hopefully sometime yeah. in the very near future.
0: Yeah, that's, um, that's very true. Surprises are never good, and, and that definitely is something that you know. I, I, no CFO wants to have it, right? So it's important yeah, to have your hands on what's going on.
1: Exactly, and feeling like you you've, you know what should be going on and and uh, what the staff is working on. Um, I wanted to move into to barriers, right? Some of them are psychological. Right, we, we put it on ourselves. We think through we can't do it because we put some limitations on ourselves mentally. But then there's other roadblocks that are really completely out of our control. What are the most common roadblocks you're seeing organizations need to avoid when they are really, they, they made the commitment, okay, so let's say the budget's been approved, um, you know, they're, they're down in, in terms of, you know, selecting certain technology, etc. But what are some of the most common roadblocks that organizations should avoid when they are on this automation journey?
0: I think one of the biggest challenges really are the individuals, right, and the people involved. Um, And and you don't always necessarily realize that, but people tend to get very stuck in, well, we've always done it this way, or we've always looked at this, right? As as accountants, we're very addicted to paper. Where's the paper that shows me this number? Um, And it's really what we find the most successful transformations to occur is when everyone is willing to say it it doesn't necessarily matter that we've always done this, right? We still need to have all of our accounting controls in place, but there's probably a better way than what we've been doing that will enable us to get through this process and, and, you know, be efficient, be more productive than what we've been. Um, We need to understand that we can use things like automation, right? To, To go back to the paper analysis, where's the piece of paper? Well, it's great to have paper, but, it's good to have automation that says, hey, you know what, you can, have, you can ignore this entire stack over here. You just need to go look for this one piece because you've got a reconciling item on a bank account in Toledo that's been there for six months. So you need to go and see what that is. Don't worry about all the rest of this paper. And we really have to get to a point where we're willing to say, you know, I understand we always did it that way. There's definitely a better way to do it and, and be open to that and understand that it's not a personal affront, right? And that that's often a, a challenge as well as, you know, Jane, who's been in, you know, the AP team for the last 20 years, doesn't want to change her process because she feels what she's doing works. Well, it does work, Jane, but there's a better way so that you can do more, you can be more efficient. And it's hard for people sometimes to not take that personal and be willing to be open to to seeing that. And so change management, I guess, is, is really a big key all the way through.
1: So it sounds like some of the roadblocks are cultural in nature in some of the organizations where, you know, going back to the AP clerk, you know, they're so used to a routine, they're very comfortable, it's cozy, it's warm, having that piece of paper right next to you. But maybe working in a team environment where it's a steering committee, right? And Jane's invited. So she's not excluded. And then she's she's seeing the problem through the lens of her peer group. But more importantly, Jane is also invited for when it's somebody else's area, right? So it's not an attack on Jane. It's Jane's part of a holistic view of everybody. So hey, when it comes to the AR department, Jane's in that meeting. It may not be her department, but you know what? She's not being a one, she's not going to feel that she was isolated um in, in some steering committee where they just wanted to pick apart her process. She's actually been invited to start talking about other people's processes as well. So that way she feels included in uh the automation journey. So so kind of our earlier conversation about, you know, get, getting people together, steering committee, 360 view but making sure their voices are heard so that way those roadblocks really um, are, are not roadblocks at all, at all. It's the whole team's moving in the same direction um, at the
0: same pace. That That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Now, we can't I to allow about, ourselves to Sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying, we can't allow ourselves to be blocked individually right by things that we perceive as personal to us we have to remember that it's not about us as individuals right it's about the process and the company as a whole
1: right and and sometimes getting a good uh facilitator sometimes if you have an implementation partner right because if the cfo does it you know it could there could be some dynamics going on in the organization where it's like top down right or you're going to do it this way if you have an implementation partner. There's added credibility, sometimes added trust, um, a, a little bit more warmth because now it's it's a third party looking at the situation and not, you know, an internal conflict where it's, uh, you know, we're going to do it this way because I'm, I'm, the, I'm the boss. And so there could be some intimidation. We actually recommend folks that are going through this transformation journey that they should look at the pros and cons of having an implementation partner. Yes, there is cost involved, but what does that mean culturally to get everybody on board is is someone really willing to take that internally great do they really have facilitation skill sets right to pull the team together and if the answer is yes and and there's some past examples that they've you know done some pretty big projects and they've been successful i would say great you know what you have a, a proven track record you have the same people they they're able to do it but if the answer is really no in a lot of different scenarios then you know, when I tell um, some prospective people going through the financial transformation journey, then they need to figure out, well, what's what's going to be the right implementation partner to go through that journey? And what would be most important to the whole team in terms of that selection process of an implementation uh, partner for that journey? Um, I wanted to get into um, after <laughs> financial transformation <laughs> process. So when it's complete, what are now uh, accountants focusing their newly found available time every month?
0: Well, it's interesting is that's when you that's when the fun begins, right? When now suddenly you have the time to actually do those things that you were hired to do. <laughs> you, hmm. you can look at why things were done. You can look at, you know, okay, why did this happen? We have a problem that occurred in, you know, back to Toledo, right? We have a problem that occurred in Toledo. We have this item on a bank reconciliation. Why, why did that happen? How did it end up that it was sitting there for so long? they have time to go through and investigate the processes that brought you to that point, right? And they also have times to just spot trends and things that are occurring before they become a problem. So you can become very proactive in how you address things, right, within your organization. You can identify trends that are occurring that may be causing a negative impact against sales. It could be affecting productivity. It could be affecting ultimately profit, right? And so – Team finance really, and I I think of it that way in my mind of team finance, not just a bunch of accountants, but it's the job of team finance to be able to provide reliable information to the operators so that they can effectively operate the organization. Now that they have time to actually analyze the transactions and analyze the data, they're able to do that. And it's just not something they've been able to do in the past. And we find as we walk into, every every client that we've walked into, I would say over the last at least three or four years, you walk in and you you see a bunch of people in accounting who just look exhausted all the time. And they're working late, and they're working long hours, and they get anywhere, and they can't get information, and everybody's hounding them. and. You know, we kind of, as we get to know them through the transformation process, right, and and you begin to realize how their home life is suffering and their family life is suffering as well. And, of course, that affects morale, which affects productivity, right? And as they get to the end of this, and they go, oh, my gosh, it's 5 o'clock and I can go home. How did that happen? That's never happened. Um, And it's really very interesting to see that.
1: Yeah, I, we're starting to see that as well. In other words, um, w- when automation meets accounting <laughs> and this financial statement, <laughs> you know, process of closing the books and getting it done in week one, um, you know, I see I a lot of light bulbs turn on because a lot of people are like, oh, my God, I can now go to the gym or I can actually do that hobby that I've always been wanting or I can spend more time with my family. There's a lot of ways that they would be spending more available time. It's... It's really the leadership there at the you know at the CFO level to say, hey everybody every t- type A team A good person A is going to have a job here. I think that that might be a better recommendation in the very beginning of the journey, and it sets the tone that yes we're going to implement certain technology changes. But really, the A players have a place because we're going to shift those hours to something more productive, like forecasting or assisting in some of the analysis for budgetary purposes, or helping the sales department figure out some other sales approach uh, in, in looking at uh, trending analysis, variances, et cetera, to help them grow the business and even vendor payments. You know, I, I always say sales is probably you know top priority compared to vendor payments. Um, but uh, it, it, it's shifting those hours to grow the business. It's really up to the CFO to kind of set that tone. Um, not only do I believe that they're going to get more buy-in, but uh, when that free time is available, you know, those performance evaluations, when they do come up, that's a great opportunity to not only invite the conversation to say, well, what if, what if we were to invest in uh, a technology that would get this, this uh, task you know, off your plate within week one right after the month end? What would you do for the remainder? What would be a goal of yours? And that's a great insight for a CFO to figure out who in the organization is really scaling to the business not only of today, but also of tomorrow for, for them and the entire company. Um, that, that's what we're seeing also with newly found available time every month.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, really ultimately has to all be about growth right, long-term growth, and you, you can't grow as long as you're stagnant, right? If you're not making any progress in, in gaining ground and gaining efficiency within your processes, you're never going to reach your goals, right? It's like trying to run a race with a, you know, 50-pound weight tied around your neck versus just running the race. So we we've exactly. run into places that... I can think of one client in particular we went in to do an implementation for, and, you know, one of the guys who was involved in the implementation and the transition team was incredibly resistant to the whole thing because he was the Excel guru, <laughs> right? And he's like, well, what, what's going to happen to me, right? We get this done, and now the system's doing all this work. Who? What do they need me for? Well, that's not what you were hired to be as an Excel guru. You were hired to be an, an, an analyst. So guess what? You'll actually – be able to do those things that you're trying to do every every month and can't because you have to stop and help somebody with Excel um and you know those those are those are huge grounds when you kind of see the light turn on in their eyes and the aha moment right and they go oh <laughs> this is awesome look what i can do now here are the things i can actually point out and i can be useful and i'm not just good for excel but i'm good for saying hey there's a problem with you know this data is continuing to come in and showing this kind of a trend we need to be able to address that you become a much more valuable part of the team when you're bringing that kind of information to the front so Exactly, and, and,
1: and we're, we're noticing people that have gone through a financial transformation journey when they change their their jobs. Dare I say millennials? But <laughs> we <laughs> notice that they, if they go to a binder based close process, oh my god, they yep. you know because who in the interview really starts saying, "So tell me about your close process. Like, what can I expect? Do you guys have paper binders, or do you have you know something?" That's automated. It's very rare that that comes up. Then they get the hire. Then it's the probation period, and then they 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 try to figure out how they can position this automation process. And it's not uncommon that we are starting to see people that have an automated financial close process and, and the types of technology, you know, instituted from a prior employer that all of a sudden. Boy, they want that meeting. They want, to, they want that meeting quick. Yep. <laughs> they're they're willing to create a case study for the CFO because they they say, look, this is not scalable, et cetera. I mean, it, it's a great opportunity for CFOs to listen because this is kind of the wave of the future of automating a lot of this mundane matching of two data, you know, data A matches to data B, et cetera. The, the, those days are gone, and if, if you're still with paper binders and or um, having accountants spend days, hours, et cetera, matching two databases, um, you're, you're, you're way behind on, on, the, on the wrong side of the bill curve. And Well, Gail, we are wrapping up this interview, and I'm confident our listeners gain insights on ways to increase efficiency in their accounting department. I want to thank you, Gail, again for coming on our radio show
0: thanks for having me. it's been It's been a pleasure.
1: This is Sonia Luna, CEO and founder of Aviva Spectrum, signing off.